Hello and welcome to another episode of Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. And I'm Neil. Today is Sunday, November 18th, 2018. On this episode, we're going to discuss the California wildfires and Brexit, among a few other items maybe from the past week. Um, Last Sunday, the California Department of Fire and Forestry announced that the fire season 2018 for California had reached its most destructive, excuse me, it had already reached the most destructive uh, level of any previous season. I don't know how old those records are, but certainly in the modern era anyway. So by then they were saying that there were 7,579 fires burning an area of over 1.6 million acres. Um, how much is that? That's almost 7,000 square kilometers. So the largest amount of burned acreage recorded in a fire season. Of course, in the fire season, what is that? Well, it used to be a couple of months a year. And regularly now in the last decade, maybe more, it's extended to like seven months. And even there, it doesn't. sometimes it's like it doesn't end. It goes on from all the way through fall into winter and through what for most of us is winter, but it's still pretty warm in parts of California mm-hmm. in January and even into early February. Um, there's obviously two fires in particular that caught the news and the attention. Um, that's the campfire up in the center of the state, east of San Francisco, and the other one's the um, fire near Malibu in Ventura County, the Thousand Oaks fire. The death toll combined, but I think it's mainly from as a result of a fire in Paradise. Uh, that torched the, the small town of Paradise. The death toll there is in the 70s now. They're still finding people, which is crazy, but sadly also to be expected given how fast it ripped through the area. Over a thousand missing. Over a thousand missing. Um, tens of thousands are living hand to mouth. They remain evacuated. They can't go back to their homes. Over 7,000 buildings destroyed. So in itself, the campfire is the deadliest. Um, that's both in terms of fatalities and structures burned in California's history. Directed uh, energy weapons, did <laughs> Well, yeah, this is what I was going to say. A whole lot of people are blaming. They seem to be blaming some guy called Drew or Dewey. Do. Do. That's his name. Do did it. No, the do, you know, on the, on the grass in the morning. Combustible, flammable do. I see. D-E-W. No, obviously do is directed energy weapons. Yeah, I don't even know. I mean, I wasn't going to actually mention this at all. And I was getting annoyed at myself for having to... Well, I was getting annoyed, first of all, from having to look at people on Facebook repeatedly making that claim. Mm -hmm. And I started to question, seriously question, the friends I have and the friends of the friends I have, you know, quote-unquote friends, Facebook friends, uh, because so many of them were just jumping on this do business, um, and then I was getting annoyed at myself for uh, for getting... Annoyed with them? For, for actually responding to them, okay. like for writing the same thing over and over and over again. And then I realized, well, what if there's like millions of people on Facebook? I'm not going to be able to do this for every single person, so I'm not going to write this millions of times. What so, kind of things are they saying and what have you been basically saying in response? Well, they're all saying just 
look, it's obvious dues dues did this, you know, because well, any number of things actually, all of the normal things that happen uh, as a result of a, a forest fire, um, like you know, many of the the normal results, let's say, of a forest fire that, that are known. So I'm assuming the people that are making these claims don't don't know anything about forest fires, haven't been around forest fires, haven't probably been around fires at all, any kind of even a bonfire, have no real familiarity with bonfires and the heat of fires in, in proximity to vegetation, for example. A lot of people live very sheltered lives. Yeah, they must do, but that doesn't stop them getting on Facebook and spouting off like they know what they're talking about when they already don't. Um, yeah, the claims they make are, why aren't the trees burned? Uh, right. Look, look, there's some vegetation beside that house that's been completely burned to the ground. How come the vegetation isn't burned? Um, and why did a torch these six houses skip this one and then start the ones after? Or that? why is that single house mm-hmm. torched, whatever, uh, and not the ones around it? Um, people making spurious claims, you know, uh, that they don't back up saying, you know, there were plastic mailboxes that were unburnt outside houses and stuff, but they never produce any evidence for that, you know. Um, but even that wouldn't be strange, you know, because obviously mailbox would usually be out the front of the house, you know, uh, in, in the US, you know, it would be next to the road mm-hmm. and the house is maybe 10 or 20 yards um, back from that. So, um, yeah, they're making all these all these wild claims that as if to say it's impossible for these things to happen. Trees not to burn when houses burned, uh, cars to burn when trees don't burn. Um, you know, uh, why road? There's one where there's a road actually just outside, kind of inland from Malibu, a road that was over a kind of a, a wadi. You know what a wadi is? Is that the right word? I don't know if that's a word in English. A wadi is. Um, there's a wadi, but it's usually in a desert. A dry riverbed, basically. Right. Well, okay. California is a bit desert like, you know, so okay. it's a kind of dry, more or less dry riverbed. And I rode over that with, you know, obviously structural steel in the in the small little bridge going over the, the dry riverbed. Um, and how that could have burned when the trees around it didn't burn. Um, lots of, you know, and the steel and the, and the structure of the bridge was kind of bent. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm questioning why I'm even talking about it right now, you know. Maybe better to analyze the the reason why they come up with this do stuff rather than go into the details because the, the the reasons why those things happen are, are very obvious to anybody with have with any sense you know I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't need to tell anybody listening or watching this why trees don't burn when a house does or that a car can burn as a result of the heat of a forest fire including the glass will you know melt and and, and break and fall in and the aluminum on the in the body and the bumpers or whatever will melt well just go and look up the temperatures of forest fires and look up the temperature for the melting point of those things you know you know it's not rocket science like you know i mean you, just, you don't have to have any phds in anything you know you can simply just uh show a bit of inquis- an inquisitive mind as in trying to find out what caused this rather than deciding in advance that your pet conspiracy theory was to blame and that the uh, you know, the Rothschilds or the Illuminati are flying in their plane with their directed energy weapons shooting at specific houses. Some bizarre ideas about, you know, the area of the forest fire, of the two fires from 
the campfire down to the one near LA. Um, the Thousand Oak Fire, for example, were, were uh, that's roughly the same as the path of a proposed uh, urban or light rail network in, in, in California. So I think the idea was that they're burning all the houses to make way for a light rail railway network. That that's what somebody actually suggested. Not just somebody; a lot of people. Like, right. Okay. I mean, so yeah. I mean, it's it's super. I mean, uh, you know, I just uh, you can you can see how I would get annoyed with myself for even looking not looking at that. Obviously, you have to look at a lot of annoying things, but I'm not going to engage with people like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, they're not serious people, and um, yeah, I think I think they themselves, some of them would realize that if they were pushed to follow through with what they're suggesting, which is that agency, unknown, whatever, but some somebody, some group, did or is doing these things, okay, but then dot, dot, dot. It's quite a pro proposition to make. Okay, that's fine. Now follow your exercise through. Why? And is that the most appropriate means they would take to reach that goal? You know? Yeah, well, a lot of them would just say that the Illuminati or, or the government or the secret government do that just because they like burning, okay. bur burning houses, right? They like shooting. They're pyromaniacs. Yeah, and they like, you know, burning people's houses and killing people and stuff, whatever, you know. Um, but, no, it's, it's interesting because, like, yeah, it, the, the psychology behind it is wanting to assign agencies to something that is quite uh, traumatic. Or mm. I mean, for a lot of people commenting on it, it's not traumatic for them because several of them, at least the ones I looked at, you know, they don't even live in America. But they're adamant that it's dues and stuff. So that's their their own personal pet belief, basically that they're pushing. And uh, but other people who who are traumatized by it, who, who it affects them, maybe they're more directly related to it. Uh, when that happens, people look for it's a whole source of religion, effectively. Mm. It, it's looking for agency. Why God? Why? Yeah, it's looking for agency in some in, in events that are that are large scale traumatic events that come out of the blue and and you don't know how it happened. I mean, of course, it's. It's tied to a, a less than ideal understanding of natural forces and the natural world and stuff as well, right? I mean, so people, the natural world is, is complicated and complex, let's say, and to figure out how, you know, what starts wildfires or why, why wildfires spread or how they spread and all that kind of stuff. For one example, there's also, you include hurricanes or tornadoes, whatever, or earthquakes or that kind of thing. Uh, you know, they're not easily understandable in terms of the mechanism and, and how they how they generate them, mm -hmm. or how they, how they how they come about. So people like to assign a conscious agency to it because, it, and the thing is, there may well be some level of consciousness or or intelligence, let's say, quote unquote, to a lot of these things. You know, um, intelligence in a very broad. You know, let's not be anthropocentric about this and and assume that intelligence only exists in human beings. Type thing that. You know, mm -hmm. there's obviously there's intelligence in nature, so there's an intelligence that, that's part of nature that that you could say that it's intelligent. You know, yeah. and maybe there's some indication of that uh, in the experiences some people have had over the eons, over the ages, with certain events that made them go, "Wow, that was super bizarre," and it almost implies some kind of a conscious well, it, agency behind it, and therefore you get give rise to some supreme power, some powerful force in in nature type thing that that. Is intelligent and therefore you have to put a face on it and put a name on it and that kind of stuff, you know. And in today's modern technology or high tech era, it it just happens to be that instead of positing that it's the gods doing this, it's the it's the 
the, the elite, the human elite, the gods, breakaway civilization, the breakaway civilization god, the Illuminati, whoever, whatever you mm. want to call it, they're the ones who are doing it. So it's it's the same story, just uh, revamped or, or yeah. uh, tweaked for for a high tech uh, yeah. kind of age compared to compared to hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. Uh, <clears throat> the the custodians of society, the elites, the general, they're then perplexed as to why people would go off the handle, in quotes, and think such strange things. Well, there's fertile ground for it. This is part of the psychology, I think, at least the mass psychology. You know, we live in an age where they're constantly being hammered with the notion, although if you read the small print, <laughs> it's actually completely open, but still the headlines keep telling them over and over that science has got this down. Mm. It's figured out. We got it. We're, we're cool. We're on top of this. And then along comes a destructive event, and they're like, where was science? Mm -hmm. That didn't, that wasn't right. supposed to happen that fast or to that extent, right. you know? Yeah, there's a higher power, basically. You can understand from a psychological perspective <clears throat> why people go to this higher power thing, and in the modern era, why they would go to, you know, the secret government or the government or whatever. And, and DEWs, you know, directed energy weapons do actually exist, or at least they're in, in, a, in a development stage mm -hmm. amongst the military, particularly the U.S. military and other militaries, uh, directed energy like electromagnetic uh, pulses or whatever, weapons, you know, and, I mean, they're in development. That's the official story. I'm pretty sure someone's figured it out mm -hmm. uh, somewhere behind the scenes before now, but, uh, you know, possibly keeping it keeping it secret. So that, that feeds into these people's ideas that, you know, yeah, these things exist and they're being used, you know. But it's just nonsense, you know. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's an example of the of the real problem with the Internet, you know. People can just, it's <clears throat> pattern recognition run amok, you know, do Google Google image search, you know, and all one person has to do is to doctor some image or find some image, put it on his website and say, this is from the California fires. And uh, and then it gets repeated over and over again, it becomes true. Uh, but it's not, it's bullshit. Like, I mean, the images are thrown around are, <clears throat> I think, there's one where they put three images together. One was an image of a SpaceX launch um, with like a, a lens flare or a, a light kind of pillar coming up from it because of the, the launch. So the rocket mm -hmm. wasn't in the picture, but the plume was left there. And they said that was, Cal and that was actually in, uh, where was it? I can't remember exactly where it was in some, uh, it wasn't in California anyway. And they said, this is California. And then another one was in Ohio in February. It was a, a controlled kind of um, burn off of a, from a gas plant or something like that. It was kind of like a ball of fire in the distance. And there was a kind of another light pillar, which is to do with crystals, you know, cold atmosphere. They said that was California, and they put the another three images together, basically. Um, that had nothing to do with this California wildfire, mm -hmm. or even, even any wildfires. And they said, these are the wildfires. And then everybody spreads them around and say, look, here's evidence. See that beam and stuff? It's just inane, you know? And uh, um, I really think I should, I, I should remove those people who peddle that. I'm toying with the idea of removing those people, like like unfriending them, basically, so I don't have to see the kind of stuff. Because if those people go for that kind of thing, then they're not really much help or use to me in terms of, uh, you know, providing mm -hmm. reasonable information about anything. You know, but sometimes the conspiracy theorist hits the jackpot. Well, yeah, well that's the, that's the problem. You know, should you keep those people on, uh, on just just in case they say something. They happen. They stumble over the truth basically by accident at some point. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be too harsh on them, obviously, because like we just said, we understand the psychology behind it and all that kind of mm. stuff. But um, <laughs> it's just it, it really annoys me when when I see horseshit 
peddled like yeah. that. It's just there's so much confusion and nonsense out there being being peddled uh, in in the mainstream type thing by you know by by mo- by most of the mainstream media specifically in, in in the past year or two since Trump was elected about you know about Trump about Russia Gate about all that kind of stuff lots of lies you know spread by the intelligence community high level large scale big lies that have been spread um that when i see ordinary people then adding into the adding noise you know into the into the system even more noise into the system it's just like oh god jesus um it's kind of too much you know mm-hmm. um so anyway yeah. we noticed um a couple of symbolic t- um aspects of the two major fires that were you know remarkable but nothing to you know go to town with a theory based on but that one of them raised the town called paradise yeah i mean maybe there are many maybe there are several settlements and towns in california called paradise so yeah so what but still that's like there goes paradise kind of thing you know symbolic um and the other one of course um I think we already noticed, mentioned this last week, that it erupted within a day, close to the mass shooting in, in Thousand Oaks right. at the bar by yeah. the former Marine mm-hmm. who went mm-hmm. nuts. And you're like, well, okay, yeah. That's the level of, when people are looking at these things essentially symbolically, when they talk about directed energy weapons stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, it's at least it's out there type thing. It's not hard science. It's something you have to put you have to believe in, if you know what I mean. You have to f- have faith in it to, to believe it. Um, people would be far better to look at those kind of things, uh, it's real symbolism, and and um, and allow it to uh, to make them think. Let's say, yeah, um, think about the world. You know, there may be an intelligence behind that, but it may be something akin to, you know, mass consciousness kind of thing, uh, or you know of groups of people or in, yeah. in specific areas kind of almost signaling to themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with taking it that way, let's say, because there's plenty of reason to look for any American or anybody in the Western world to look at the, the state of the world and where human beings are at right now and what they're doing uh, and the discourse that's going on right now and consider that, yeah, maybe we were, maybe we are destroying paradise, you know, our paradise is being destroyed by what? By our our own idiocy, you know. I mean, that would be a good lesson or a good way for people to think about these situations, you know, to to to, to correct their course because certainly there's plenty of course correction uh, that uh, is necessary or sh- would be advised in in Western societies today. Um, Which yeah. brings up climate change. And California has a outgoing governor, but he's Jerry Brown, and he's fierce believer in the theory that these things are man-made. And when you put it like that, it struck me, well, how different is that to what Jerry Brown believes? But of course, there is a subtle but important difference. And this this flared up this week with um, Trump. Flared up, no pun intended. Um, he kind of did it himself by weighing in and going straight for an explanation for why there are so many wildfires in California increasing year on year, obviously getting more fatal. Um, let's pull it up. Uh, this is CNN's reporting of it. Of course, anything about Trump that they can find that's negative, they'll hit on it. But um, 
asked about climate change, Trump says a lot of factors to blame for California wildfires. Yeah. The premise mm. being that everyone believes, everyone knows, in quotes, the orthodoxy, which is that climate change is causing these things, i.e. they're man-made. So they're in agreement with the, the premise you laid out. We are destroying paradise. But of course, unspoken or spoken in other venues, but not directly here in that headline, Im implied in the headline is that, of course, it's climate change, specifically the one where science has it all worked out. Anyone who denies this is, well, mm -hmm. to be excommunicated. Um, and Trump weighs in. Let's, let's have a listen. President Trump today in California walking through the burned out remains of family homes in what was the town of paradise. It's gone. 90% of the houses and buildings there consumed by the wildfire. A reporter there asked the president if seeing this destruction, smelling it, feeling it, has changed his opinion on climate change. His answer, no. Does seeing this devastation though change your opinion at all on climate change, Mr. President? No, no. I have a strong opinion. I want great climate. We're going to have that, and we're going to have forests that are very safe. Because we can't go through this every year. We go through this. So we're going to have safe forests, and uh, that's happening as we speak. So the fire, you said we need to change the fire management. Should the state and local officials have been done? No, we're going to work together with the federal government. No, state, local, and federal government. Federal government's going to work with the uh, state and local, and we're going to help them with funding. And uh, it's, going to take, it's going to take a lot of funding, I will tell you Should that. they have done things differently before this point? Uh, a lot of things have been learned. Notice the... Uh, the, the the line underneath it, the, the way that CNN summed that up that video by, uh, was on there, but it disappeared again. Um, I want, Trump says, I want, they have Trump, colon, I want great climate, we're going to have that. So Trump Trump wants great climate and he's the best at climate. He, uh, he, knows, he knows some of the best climates in the world uh, and... Uh, his, his climate's going to be tremendous. <laughs> he one, sure puts his foot in one. it. But it's ridiculous because people put that up and then, so it's that, 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 that heading on the video was put on there specifically by CNN yeah. to make him sound ridic ridiculous. But of course, if you li listen to everything he said there. In context. In context, you understand that's not what he was saying, but it's better to make him sound like a, like a buffoon, you know, but actually what he's saying there and what he said previously, uh, based on my reading and researching the situation is actually true that he's uh, on the money. And you said earlier on that uh, the outgoing governor of California is, uh, is blamed the fires on climate change uh, and yeah. with a subtle difference. Well, well not, not he's right, but uh, there's a subtle difference because he's blaming it on human uh, caused climate change, let's say, because no longer specifically anthropogenic global warming, it's human caused climate change because global warming is too simplistic for them anymore too simplistic for the population because you know you're not just getting warming you're getting cooling in some places you're getting all this this other climate crazy flooding. chaos flooding volcanoes all that stuff well maybe, maybe yeah volcanoes i suppose they throw in there too but uh, in some way but the the fact of the matter is that specifically in california um there there are several factors and i think trump actually outline these elsewhere more more 
more specifically, that the forests have been are being mismanaged, and the forests are being mismanaged, and mis by mismanaged, they're basically not cutting down and felling forests <clears throat> to make them <clears throat> to prevent wildfires or to manage them in a way that they're less likely to produce large scale wildfires like you would have you know only discrete <clears throat> parts let's say like smaller sections of forest with mm -hmm. enough of a gap between them so that they wouldn't spread over like you said 7000 square kilometers mm -hmm. um but and the reason <clears throat> the reason that isn't happening uh is because of environmentalism which is apparently the response to man-made climate change mm -hmm. the way you stop and, and this isn't much of a stretch, the way you stop these fires from spreading is to plant more trees in California. Yeah. <laughs> That's effectively what, what happens, you know. Well, it's no, like, I think it was more that because they can, because they've... No, it's over, overall, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the global warming, anthropogenic global warming and man's effect on the climate that has caused this long-scale drought in California that causes, uh, you know, higher temperatures, hotter summers, that then gives rise to... So it's that part that then gives rise to the fires, but that's not actually true. That part is bullshit. People aren't causing those changes in, in temperatures and droughts and all that kind of stuff. Well, specifically, it's What CO2. people are causing is... Yeah, exactly, CO2, right. That's why you need the trees to be a carbon <coughs> sink. Let the trees go wild. And in fact, plant more forests because we have to battle global CO global CO two levels, right? But that's right. completely fighting the wrong fight, right. which just produces a situation where there's right. unmanaged forests, excess brush, right. gets really dry. If there's a drought, right. hot summer, and then right. uh, the Santana winds come and everything's torched. Right. It's a complete derogation of, of responsibility, human responsibility. That when you plant, as California. Uh, is doing currently planting 50 million trees <clears throat> in the state of California uh, for future generations um, that it's your responsibility to manage them. You know what I mean? It's not like this is just wild nature. You've planted them. Mm -hmm. You're foresting this area. And then if it burns down, it's, it's like throwing fuel on a fire. It's like throwing fuel into an area that's prone to wildfires because you're, what, you're being ecologically responsible. But you're not. You're burning yourself down, you're burning your state down, you're burning your, your towns down as a result of this wrong-headed approach to uh, the environment, which, and the wrong-headedness is that it's massively narcissistic, where it puts humans at the center of it all. It's basically, yeah. you know, this, their view of global warming and of the climate and climate change is the same as the, uh, as, as, the as the idea, and I don't know when exactly it, went away but you know Galileo right and what do you call him Copernicus and Bruno who were burned or who was, who was burned Bruno was burned for um for claiming that everything didn't revolve around the, the earth basically the yeah. earth wasn't the center of the universe uh that he put forward the heliocentric idea um these people are basically back at that level of thinking yeah. where, and it's, it's pure narcissism where we are responsible and it's a real twist on everything. everything for the, the, for worst. the planet. <clears throat> yeah. The political leader of the state of California is going, I'm going to save California, in quotes, by saving the planet. Right, by saving the planet in general or, or engaging more ecologically, supposedly ecologically sound uh, projects. But there's, there's a real kind of, uh, there's a twist in that 
when I, when I call it narcissism, it is essentially narcissism, where it puts human beings at the center of everything. It sounds like you're being responsible and you're being ever so humble and so caring by being an eco-warrior, by saying save the planet, by saying stop global warming, by saying cut your carbon uh, emissions. You know, your care for the planet. But behind that is, a, is this narcissistic belief or assumption that we are so important that we have such an impact that we're so central to everything that happens on the planet that we are the ones, human beings are the ones who, who govern, have this massive impact on the functioning of the, of the ecosystem, of the planet itself, which is massive hubris. It's not the case at all. We're like fleas on a dog's back, you know, and it's like the fleas on a dog's back thinking that they control the dog, you know? Yeah. They're going to get, you know, the dog will shake them off or the dog will like roll in a dust bath or the dog will jump in a river and they'll all drown basically. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous, you know? So it's, it's real narcissism and there's a lot of narcissism behind uh, all of those kind of like <clears throat> care foundation uh, impulses that, that, that people have, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to, to save the planet, to uh, equality and, you know, um, you know, minority rights, all that kind of stuff, you know? And it's not black and white, obviously, because there's nothing wrong with being concerned for other people. But it has to be, they have to be pursued in, in, in a, within a proper understanding of people's place in the world uh, and what we can and can't do. Understanding our limits, basically. Mm-hmm. And there are far too many people who don't understand our limits. And, to, and they have to put themselves way up at the top of the pyramid or high on the pedestal uh, to believe that they can... Regulate achieve, like the achieve, entire planet's thermostat, not just by reducing right, CO two, or or change the entire world, or change the functioning of the belief of the or the the attitudes of millions and millions of people in the country that they all must change. You know, it's basically my way. Like I know better. I know the I know what's best for everybody on the planet and the planet itself. You know, and you have to put yourself in that narcissistic position of being oh so powerful and all. You know, uh, to 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 even put forward that idea to. to so what you're saying is Trump is bang on the money. Pretty much, it seems to be that that that, he, that he's right. But but CNN picked up on one little snippet he said and turned that into making right. him look like a right, narcissist. Right. It's his delivery is, is is problematic. I'm not going to disagree with his delivery is problematic. But you don't have to be a genius to kind of um, read 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 between the lines of what he's saying. Understand for a start that he isn't the most kind of erudite or eloquent speaker that he just blurts things out type of thing but he's not a stupid person and he has thought about things and things do make do make sense to him that 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 are you know that that, that are obviously the way the, the the best answer to any given situation the best uh, analysis of any situation but the way he delivers it the way he talks about it is very kind of blunt and uh, short laconic on on you know, in terms of what he, he says it. So, and it's easy to take him down, but it's absolutely disingenuous for people to do that, for otherwise intelligent people to, to, to do that, because I'm pretty sure they know that what he's saying, like in that CNN example, they know that he's not just saying what they have in their tagline mm-hmm. or what people repeat, take the quote from him on, on, and put it on Facebook or Twitter. They know that he said more than that, but they're only too happy to do that, knowing that that's not, that it's essentially a lie. They're essentially lying about what he said, but they're happy to do that because they're possessed by some childish, personal grievance 
or repulsion at Trump the person. Orange man bad. Just well, that's what it comes down to. Orange man. I just don't like him. I don't like the way he looks, and I don't like the way he speaks. I don't care what he says. I don't care if he's right or not. When he's right, if he says something that's that's accurate, if I can pull out a small piece of what he said to make him look like a fool, even though I know he's right, I'm going to do that because um, because I have a personal issue with him, and and I, I'm not even saying that. It's, I don't even think these people have a personal issue with him in the sense of like they've actually looked at what he says and his policies and have thought it through and, and decided that this is actually objectively very bad for the country or for, or for the people in America uh, or, or the world or whatever. Uh, they, they, they know, I'm pretty sure, that that's not the case. So what they actually don't like about him is really very... Very childish. Yeah. And it's being, it's being um, another subtext. The, the general subtext with there is that, you see, Trump's a denier. He thinks it's all a hoax. With dot, 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 but the implication being that he believes nothing. There's nothing strange going on. But that's, that's obviously a false choice that's been set up by the ideological orthodoxy around this, such that if you question specifically the notion that it's been caused by man-made CO2 that's causing a spike in temperatures, therefore we must combat industrialization, anything that produces excess heat, which is caused by humans, therefore you're, you're just you're non-scientific denier, you're not, you're not even in the ballpark. Um, Trump was asked, actually, he left, he left California, not Air Force One, he spoke with journalists. I couldn't find a recording of him saying this, but... Um, he asks rhetorically, is it happening? Things are changing, end quote. Um, and again, he restated what he's, we heard him say there, that there were a lot of factors in play. I, we're not so big, us humans. And yes, I can see that there's extremes of things are going on. He's not denying the basic. Everyone's on, on the same agree, yeah. page there, but they're pretending to, he's not even in the book. Right, but that's, that's always but that's always been the, the cause. No one, very few people deny that something is going on. Only the most obtuse person would be able to say, "There's nothing strange. Nothing has changed in terms of in terms of our climate or the weather that the people experience in, in specific areas." Obviously, there is. I mean, we report on it every month with a video where we sum up in our Earth Changes video. We 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 gather together the the biggest kind of environmental or climactic or events that have happened around the world and we put it together in a video of about 20 minutes long every month so everybody there's no there's no reason for anybody to 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 claim or to believe that that things aren't changing that that something isn't going pretty wrong or let's not say wrong Mm -hmm. things aren't changing in a well in a way that isn't good for humanity because a lot of people die in these floods and all this kind of stuff wildfires etc but it's always been the point of contention has always been what causes it yeah. And there's two fundamental differences. One is posits human beings, puts human beings at the center of the universe and says, we, I, am responsible for this. You know, it's kind of like pearl clutching and hand Oh, what will I do? I'm so powerful. All the power I have to change the planet, isn't it? Yeah, well, it sounds like you're, you might actually enjoy that, that particular perspective on, on the world because it puts you in the middle of it. It puts you right in the center as the all-powerful one. <clears throat> but then at a second, the other approach is... No, it's not actually much to do with human beings. There's some contribution, but it's not significant. And the, and the systems involved here and the mechanisms involved are so great 
uh, so b- beyond <clears throat> most of it, beyond human comprehension in, in, the, in the details that there's no way that we are reasonably and logically, there's no way that anybody can say, could say that, yeah, we're doing it all or yeah. we're doing the, the majority of it. Or if we stop doing what we're doing, it'll solve it. That's complete nonsense. And that obviously comes from the, the perspective or a, a particular perspective that certain numbers or certain percentage of the population have where they see themselves not as at, at the center of the universe. And generally speaking, that means that they posit or uh, implicate, let's say, or imply a higher power. They see themselves in the grand scheme of things as lower down the scale and that there is a higher force and you can call it whatever you want. Like we talked about earlier on, it can be the Illuminati. <clears throat> it can be the secret government. Psychologically speaking, it can be God. It can be aliens. Aliens. Whatever you want. But at least that perspective of there is a higher power is a much more accurate much more rational reading of the situation in terms of human beings' position in, in, in the grand scheme of things. Because it's obviously true that we're not that uh, important. And if you read history, you see that human beings periodically are wiped out by... Or almost. Or almost wiped out. in extinctions, and we're in the sixth extinction now, supposedly. Uh, so where's all our power with that history? Is it just because we've got Twitter and Facebook and the internet? and cars and airplanes that's going to make any difference you think this same mechanism that almost wiped out successive human civilization throughout the ages is going to stop and go oh wait they've got jet planes i better not (laughs) nonsense you know so the point is that and that's why we for all their faults we tend to support the let's say right wing or conservative very generally speaking and those aren't the right words to use for it it's a different it's much more foundational and deeper than that beyond way much deeper much higher or much more below a kind of political uh, political party or political divisions you know Um, and that's why we think those people generally speaking have a better read on reality than the people on the so-called left who, like I said, tend to like to put themselves uh, at the center of everything and um, and blame everything on human beings, like blame everything that's wrong with the world on human beings. Uh, there's some scope, obviously, for human beings to improve or change their lot, but ultimately there's a lot of things that you simply have to say, you know, uh, that's what we just have to t- we just have to take it it's not a perfect world it's never going to be a perfect world we're not perfect system isn't perfect it shouldn't be perfect there's always going to be suffering and, and, and problems and we shouldn't try and change at all as if we can yep um, someone who's a little more erudite um, is Putin mm. I've always wondered what his take on climate but- change is can we play a video? I found this. This is him speaking um, quite recently, actually, in October in St. Petersburg at Russian Energy Week. Let's have a look. If I may, um, I will also cover the questions you asked. Um, we are really witnessing global warming. Uh, the reasons, however, remain obscure because the 
there's been no answer and the so-called anthropogenic emissions uh, cannot be listed among the main reasons for that. The reasons might be very global, for example, some cosmic changes, some shifts that we cannot even see probably overall in this galaxy. But well, to some end, uh, human emissions also have their influence, at least uh, many experts think so, but they believe that they do not make that large influence. Holy mo- he's been reading, sir. Uh, I doubt it, but... Well, I thought <clears throat> we were saying 15 years ago, it was like crickets, and now... Well, oh, yeah. Well, you can see- he's shift, and he's probably galactic-wide, and uh, yeah. Well, there, there's, he's, I mean, there's another, I didn't include that, but higher there's another, another higher power. The galaxy, cosmic, cosmic the, climate change. The, the cosmos itself is higher and bigger and more powerful than all of us and has influence on us that we can do nothing about. But, um, of course, you know what they're going to say? Well, that's because we're Kremlin agents. Yeah, whatever. That what he says and what we but, say is so. But you can see how, uh, you can see how people lump him on that score alone. But that's only one example, him and Trump together. Yeah. People generally speaking, on the left, let's say, see Trump and Putin together. Of course, there's been a concerted effort to actually tie them together over the past couple of years with the Russiagate nonsense and all that. But they do seem to be, not, I won't say two peas in a pod, but they do seem to be have the same kind of general, let's say, worldview at a personal level. Individually, they 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 view life and reality from the same kind of foundation. Uh, so it's not surprising that people have, it's been easy to link the two of them and put the two of them together. Um, but. But. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not, not actually the first time he said something like that, but it's the first time I've seen him so clearly, like when you, Use the word. I mean, assuming that's a, a good translation. Yeah, I think he cosmic. Said, he said stuff like galaxy-wide planetary shifts. He's poo-pooed the the the, the kind of. Although they've never seen AGW him, never seen before. Him attacked on it. I think he he's been clever for Russian government policy yeah. to play ball with yeah. the ins and outs of the Paris Accords. Yeah, Kyoto Protocol. He went along with things, but yeah. um, wherever he can, and you'll notice that. He actually said at the beginning of that, I'll get to your question in a minute. Mm-hmm. It wasn't specific. He was asked, he was given a gift by the interviewer who asked, or the moderator of that forum, who asked something about Trump pulling the US out of the Paris Accord. So this was a politically mm-hmm. a chance for Putin to score one over the United States. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'll get to your point in a minute, but can I just add this? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't call for, he chose to do it. What I left out there in that snippet is that he goes on to say, you know, people blame the US for climate change. Uh, and it's, you know, policy of moving, pulling out of the Paris Accords. And he says, that's a bit uncalled for. You know, it's not that simple. We're not sure exactly how this works. There's more to it than that. So he, he batted away the opportunity to bash the U.S., mm-hmm. which, of course, will never be reported and repeated in the Western media. No. But yeah. Go. So, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I think too much is... There's too much focus on the superficialities of things and people aren't looking at the more uh, fundamental and foundational differences uh, among human beings 
that there, se there seems to be a different uh, a kind of fu fundamental or foundational difference between uh, human beings. I mean, you could almost, we don't really know, you'd have to do a poll of the entire planet, but you could posit hypothetically, I suppose, that there's a kind of like a 50-50 split uh, between people who, um, the ones who tend to see themselves as the be-all and end-all or, or who are attracted to that ideology, the end of history, human beings are all that basically, and others who maintain a more quote-unquote conservative point of view, which is goes back to the idea of, well, you know, for most of our history, uh, we weren't, we didn't think of ourselves as uh, godlike, the only, uh, godlike, yeah, or the only show in town on the planet type thing. And so we should stick with that because it's more realistic objectively and a more objectively true, if you look at everything, uh, more objectively true assessment of, of human beings' position on the planet, you know. So, and of course, people, you know, people in science, what, what, the question then is why do all these scientists, supposedly why are all these scientists, uh, why is the science supposedly settled on man-made climate change? Why are there so many scientists who say, yes, absolutely, the science, science is in, you know? Well, there's probably various different reasons for that. The same one that I said, which is people, um, maybe a lot of those scientists are the type of people who, uh, who don't like to think of themselves as low man on the totem pole type thing. Uh, and they, they're a bit consumed with, their, with the idea of their own power and their own knowledge and that we can and have got it all figured out. Um, so they like to elevate themselves. And, you know, ultimately it's about fear, I suppose, in a certain sense, because it's probably behind it, if you go even deeper from a psychological point of view, people are afraid of the idea that we're not really in control of the planet and not even in control of ourselves for the most part. Uh, and that doesn't sit well with a lot of people. Um... The, the anxiety that can produce in people can be mitigated or assuaged by um, some kind of a belief in, in some kind of a high, higher power, you know, uh, that something somewhere is following a certain course or a certain path or a plan, and that if you just, you know, there's different theories, but if you just, you know, pay attention and do your best type of thing, then it'll all work out. But certainly you have, we don't have any power to, to change the grand, anything in the grand scheme of things, that there's a process ongoing that we're not really, uh, have no control or power over, and um, and you just kind of, in a certain sense, you submit to it, you know, uh, submit to, to 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 that position, to being in that position, or reconcile yourself to being in that position of uh, not all-powerful, not in control of it, not, not in control of everything, and not able to exercise or exert control over it and change the world for the better type thing. Um, you can change the world for your better. Everybody can change the world for the better, or their little worlds for the better in, in terms of their local environment and their local interactions and relationships with with people around them. But that's as far as it goes for most people, you know. Um, and if everybody would commit to doing that instead of getting out in the streets and protesting about uh, global warming and how we have to, the whole world has to change, or else we're all going to die, uh, then things would be better if, if they were to refocus on where they're at, basically, where mm -hmm. they objectively are at and the real extent of their power and control, which is very limited. But together, if everybody did that, then that would be quite a powerful impact. 
if everybody, because that was combined efforts all going in that same direction of trying to, as Jordan Peterson talks about, setting your house in order or cleaning your room, then that would be all the rooms in the world cleaned all at once, which would then actually be have an effect on the planet and could actually change uh, things on a, on a broad scale. But people get it upside down and try to, one little person tries to get out there and make a big stink and a noise and get on TV about how we should change the planet all at once. Now, you know, by exerting our attention on the planet as a whole, as opposed to the exact opposite, which is, you know, fix your, set your own house in order first. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, but try getting that across to people or people in general. And uh, It just seems insurmountable. But, you know, some are doing it and that's, um, that's good to see. Um, maybe they'll have some kind of effect at, at a certain critical potential, you know. Um, in the meantime, we just, I suppose, we, we, the positive philosophical approach is, well, at least there's still enough of a planet, a habitable environment yeah. in which there are the opportunity for people to clean their rooms, sort the, yeah. their own shit out first is still available. Right. So I, amen to that. Um, before we leave uh, California, uh, let's say on our way across the Atlantic to the wildfires in Britain, mm. metaphorically speaking, um, there was a huge snowstorm in the northeast of the US late mm. last week. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize how big it was until I found this. This is the um, chief meteorologist for AccuWeather.com, Elliot Abrams, who writes, first, this storm... This was the first storm of the year to affect such a large area. Second, it's one, one of the earliest big November storms ever. Um, the last time there was this much snow in New York City before the end of November was in 1938. Right. That's a sheer contrast. I mean, Yeah, they were expecting one inch. Fall snow. And the, weather had, uh, the weather reports had predicted one, one inch across New York City. And they got seven inches. Wow. And um, they were totally unprepared for it. You know, the gritters and all that kind of stuff and the snow plows and stuff weren't, weren't prepared, weren't out. So it caused a lot of chaos. And well, that's an example of how things can come out of left field and there's no way to predict them, you know, uh, and, and that people... And indeed, city planners, I mean, they think in decades, right? So 20 years ago, they were being told in 20 years time, in 2018, 2019, 2020... Snow will be a thing of the past. Right. So city planners <laughs> did not take any kind of precautions two decades ago. Right. But they also, that's also uh, the, the arrogance of assuming that... Uh, you know what's going to happen well, the two weather, decades. The, well, no, no. But the weather reports are, are, are on the money, that they can see it all. And obviously they can't. Okay. But that's an arrogance. That's an arrogance and, yeah. a, and, a, and a, a belief in the all-powerful nature of our, in this case, weather systems or weather... Uh, weather radars and, and all that kind of stuff on our weather reporting. And they would just got an example that uh, they're not all powerful. You were wrong from yesterday. Right. And and the kind of crap that it can, that it can cause. And it's that thing, just extrapolate that out and um, imagine it in, in any other uh, kind of scenario where they don't expect something out of left field and they don't expect it to happen. So, you know, I don't know, earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes... Uh, that kind of thing. I mean, we even had an example of it uh, in Hurricane Michael in Florida. Uh, they weren't. They were up until the day before. They were predicting there was going to be a Category One storm, and it strengthened to a Category Four storm 
overnight, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't expect these people to to really adjust their their systems based on this information. And when people don't don't do that, when they've got that kind of evidence that they're not so smart, well, then they're just asking for trouble, you know. Indeed. Um, Speaking of asking for trouble. Yes, Brexit. Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Uh, it flared up again, pun intended this time, in Britain this week because Theresa May's government was finally to uh, agree a deal with Brussels as to what the basic outline of a deal to leave the European Union would look like. Mm-hmm. They agreed it, and then they announced it, or they discussed it in government first, and that's when all hell broke loose, at least in the British press, as minister after minister resigned. Yeah, the cabinet discussed it. Yeah. Approved it, supposedly, the withdrawal agreement, Um, and then seven of them resigned, seven of her, seven ministers resigned um, in total. But, of course, it has to go to uh, parliament sometime in... Mm, and I think November twenty fifth, they're gonna they're gonna sign it with the EU. Yeah. And then sometime in December, it'll go to Parliament for a vote. But as of now, they're saying it'll it'll be rejected by Parliament. Um, the whole thing's just a joke, really. Um, has been from the beginning, and I think we've pretty much said that any time we've referenced referenced it on the show over the past two years. Uh, I've I've been adamant. Uh, anyway, that from pretty much from the beginning, that it wasn't going to happen, uh, in the sense that it would be there would be some kind of a a Brexit in name only, you know, so it wouldn't go anywhere because the people obviously, the British people, uh, voted marginally to to leave the EU, and at the time if you think back anybody who remembers it it was yeah we're going to leave the eu and uh, regain our sovereignty so do you want to do that yeah let's do that okay done pretty much i mean there was, there was a, a bit of fear-mongering on both sides oh it'd be terrible if we leave the eu and others saying no it'll be great we'll save you know 350 million pounds per week by leaving the eu etc just basic oversimplified nonsense like that just to get just to get people to, to vote one way or another. But uh, and no, one, no one at the time discussed the obvious problems with the UK leaving the EU. Which have way. now come to the fore in the last few years. Right, in that way. But that's what they've been wrangling over the, for the past two years. Uh, it's been obviously, it's been a problem that two years of discussion hasn't been able to solve because it was never possible. Economically, it was never possible for the UK to do what the people voted on in that referendum, which was just, let's just leave the EU We'll just pack our bags and go. Just all we have to do is pack a suitcase and then we're gone, right? That'll be good. And then it'll, it'll all be good. We'll just be, it'll be, be like back before we joined. Why do you say economically ago. it was not possible? Well, because there's 500 million people that uh, the UK does business with on the UK's doorstep and has been doing business with and is so economically intertwined with it and so dependent on that market for its economic welfare that you, how can you leave? You can't just leave and lose all your lose all your business, lose all your trade. Well, the, the pro Brexit argument seems to say that um, yes, okay, we'll take a hit initially, but then you know we can act as a free agent, and you know 
like Trump, you know, leaving uh, in multilateral international agreements, left, right, and center, and then well, one of the begin main... bargaining on on a unilateral basis with countries all over the world. I mean, that was the Brexit, the Brexit I know, I know, but it was obvious nonsense. Like, since I mean, how are you going to go? But how are you going to go and do? What kind of deal are you going to get? I mean, within the EU, they've got the best possible free trade from an economic point of view. They've got the best possible agreement, which is no tariffs, absolutely free trade, as if it's one economic block. You, you drop that, walk away from that, and then go and try and uh, broker a new economic deal. All economic deals are kind of like bargained for. They're not free trade as a, as a general rule. There's some level of tariffs, protectionism, yeah. whatever, from between the two countries. So by definition, you're going to get a shittier economic deal yeah. if you go and try and renegotiate uh, or renegotiate a deal anew with the EU because the one you have now is the best one you can possibly get from an economic point of view. If you go back to them, first of all, you're not going to be able to get the same kind of same uh, beneficial um, agreement from an economic point of view, and the EU is not going to be favourable to you. Economic, uh, the EU is going to is going to kind of like turn the screws on you for leaving them. You know why you want to leave me, type thing, uh, and they're going they're going to you know so it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be they're going to be. Uh, it's going to, they're going to drive a hard bargain, basically. So by definition, they're not going to get as good a deal. Um, secondly, that's just one aspect of it. But within that idea of, an e of that economic enmeshment with the EU, it's not just that. There's legal aspects. There's, there's uh, the movement of people aspects. There's three million people in, from, from European countries living in the UK. It, it's so intertwined in so many different ways that it's, it's, it's almost it's, it's impossible unless you... I mean, it's just not possible to do. It's like, um, you know, there's so much history there and so much baggage and so much, so much stuff that you have to, have to divest from that it would be a massive headache and, 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 and not least of which is the, it would be the economic hit you would have to take. And I mean, if they, if they, I mean, the markets are kind of primed for that. If there's no, if there's no deal Brexit, if you look at the markets from, from an economic point or from, for the economic analysis of it pretty much everybody's saying that if there's no the last thing they want is a no deal brexit where they just do that thing walk away because the day after or the day that they that that, that happens that there's a it's, that there's a no deal brexit um the pound sterling will plunge that's yeah what do the brexiters say to it they say that's part of project fear um that this is the worst case scenario being you know imagined up to its worst case scenario, or did they take stock of that? I mean, uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg, for example, the backbencher Tory MP. What what does what he? What, what well, kind none, of thing does he say in response to that? Well, I mean, none, none of them are. None he's of them. adamant that no, the British people voted. It's very simple. It's black and white. We're out. Let's go now. Right. Like he seems like an intelligent guy. So, what's his thinking? They close the borders physically, and and then, and then what? Markets maybe have a down a hiccup, and but it'll pick up soon. Is right. that what he's saying? It'll, it'll be it'll be bad for a while, but it'll be okay. It'll be bad for a while, but I mean, what does bad for a while mean? You know what I mean? In terms of job losses and factory sh shutdowns and and capital flight from the country and all that kind of stuff in advance of that happening, you know. I so mean, so, there's so many are, possible are they saying, bad things, right? But, but none of them want a no deal Brexit. You won't hear anybody saying that yeah, no deal Brexit is a good idea because they all know that that's a horrible, terrible idea. And what they're wanting, what they want to do now, the the, the, the rebels, the ones who have left, 
uh, May's cabinet because she signed this this pretend deal uh, is that they want to renegotiate it and they want to kick her out and there's a good chance that she will be booted someone else will be become the the prime minister or the leader of the of the Tory party and become the prime minister and then he or she will go back and uh, and, and try and renegotiate something, but uh, what, what, when, when they possibly get maybe a little bit better at the margins, they're not going to get much. Maybe better, they though. think they can play hardball and all this kind of stuff. But at this point, there's blood in the water, and a lot of them are thinking of their careers, and there's plenty of them who want to be prime minister. Are they though? Where yeah. are they? <laughs> Boris Johnson missed his opportunity. Well, no, he's waiting. Oh yeah, he's waiting for Theresa May to, 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 to be booted. I mean, you have to wait and see what happens, you know. Mm-hmm. But if if it's voted down in Parliament, which at this point looks like it's it will happen in December that, that, the, that the Parliament will vote against it. Well, then Theresa May has just been, her, her political career is over and she'll be gone the next day. And then who else will come in? You know, and the same person will, will uh, the next Prime Minister will come in, a supposed, you know, real Brexiteer who's going to get a great deal will come in and uh, engage in another fudge, pretend that he's getting a better deal and push through. You know, it's all, there's so much manipulation of, of public perception in this that it's kind of ridiculous, you know. Um, and I don't trust any of them as far as I could throw them. I could throw Theresa May pretty far, actually, because she's... She's... Because uh, she's light. Because she's like a coat hanger. But, yeah, it's a joke. I mean, the deal that she has signed um, is... It's kind of like... She's kind of dressing it up as um, a halfway measure. No, as a new kicking, like, no, kicking as a, the hardcore as a new inter- like like as if it's a new international trade agreement. That's the way she's talking about. It. She hasn't used those terms, but she's using she's dressing it up as if it's this new agreement that that they have uh, brokered with the EU. You know, uh, you know, it's almost as if if you if you take the UK away, uh, take the UK out of the EU. Imagine it was never in it. And imagine it was in a position now to come along and say, hi, we're interested. Imagine, imagine the UK wasn't actually there and suddenly it appeared overnight, fully formed the way it is today. Mm-hmm. It said, hi, we're a country with 65 million people. We'd like to do business with the EU. Mm-hmm. What can we work out? And she thinks, she's claiming uh, essentially that she has worked out right. an agreement it's, with the EU as a trading block. It's happened. I'm not, not going to be part of your, I'm not going to be a full member but I'm interested in all of the things uh, that would that, that would be involved in, uh, in in fully trading with you, being such a such an integral part of the of the of Western Europe, effectively. Um, and that's what. And of course, that involves you know allowing them to have say over this, over labour laws and all that kind of stuff. You know, mutual. You know, you do this, we scratch. You know, as if as if they're coming clean to the situation. Yeah. But the, the, that's the big lie in that is that they're not coming clean to it. They've been in the EU for fifty years and they've had this divorce, yeah. and now they're having this acrimonious breakup. And of course, it's it's not going. It's not. That's nowhere near. It's not going to be the same as if you're coming fresh to the negotiating table that you've never been never been to before. Yeah. It's like the analogy I used earlier on was that it's like you've been married to someone for 20 years and you go through an acrimonious divorce and once the divorce settled legally and it was acrimonious, then the next night you go down to the bar and meet your ex-wife and think that you can start a relationship with her on a clean on a clean slate basis. Except that it's worse than that because the divorce hasn't been settled yet and the acrimony's no. only just begun. Well, it's... 
you know, yeah. I mean, the divorce is ongoing, but yeah. it's like you there's know, a lot to like in the well, in the deal that was agreed this week. Um, I mean, they basically that's what I was going to say that they kicked off a lot of things down the road. I mean, there's one point where they say we will um, come back to this aspect of it in twenty. And they don't say they say XX right indefinitely for the next century. Yeah, we'll get back to. Well, it. let's say they're going they're going to clarify that mm-hmm. in, on November twenty fifth, or, or as part of the a part of the um, what do they call it the uh, implementation period, which is up until the end of twenty twenty. So about more than two years, uh, they have an implementation period. So so much of the the details of the plan that she or the agreement that she supposedly brokered this withdrawal agreement that she that she brokered and that they're going to sign and then submit to Parliament. So much of it is looks exact, looks like, well, you haven't changed anything. You're still a part of the EU. Oh, no, we're going to... That's just there so that we can... Uh, we'll be working out the details of that, how we divest ourselves from that. We're keeping all these aspects of of our membership of the EU until the end of the withdrawal period. So that we've only... It's only a a draft withdrawal agreement. So and it therefore basically if you read it, it says, Yeah, pretty much same, nothing changed, nothing changed, still a part of you, still a part of you, still a part of you, and all these different ways. And she's like, No, but that's only there just because it takes time to divest from those things. So we have right. to keep that on the books. Right. But we'll slowly over the next two years or two and a half years, we'll be removing ourselves from the from, from that. Okay. Um which you know, I think it's well. It, if you if someone said that to you, you would say, "Listen, you're you're trying to bullshit me here, aren't you? You're just trying to put me off. You're yeah. trying you're trying to you're trying to pretend to me that, that something's actually happening when it's not, and you're hoping that I'll forget about it. Basically, you're hoping that enough time will pass and it'll just go away, and we'll just quietly say, "Yeah, let's just stay part of the EU, but don't tell anybody, and we'll just pretend that we're not. We'll say all the right things, but we're not actually leaving at all." The ridiculous thing about this, I mean, the whole thing is a shit show. Everything on this planet is a shit show at the minute. Like, absolutely everything. You know, there's nothing that isn't a load of shit. Um, and, and by a load of shit, I mean, it's just complete and utter nonsense and based on fecklessness and idiocy and lies. Um, the only reason they had a referendum, Brexit referendum in the first place, in 2016, was for for political manoeuvring the then British Conservative Prime Minister David Cameron wanted to um, kind of attract the kind of nationalistic the UK it was a new party the UK party had formed over the previous few years um, and was gaining a lot of traction a lot of voters in the UK and the Conservatives wanted to attract those people with a more strongly nationalistic mindset to the Conservative Party. They wanted to, you know, pl- keep down the far right, let's say. So the best way to do that was to offer them a, a referendum on independence, because what's more attractive to a far right nationalist than independence from the evil EU? Uh, so he did that, and was, and, but they did that, and I'm pretty sure of this. All of them, the, the government at the time, and all of the political establishment in the UK, did that at the time, in the complete confidence that the vote would be no. 
because mm. they saw that right wing faction as a as a small percentage, albeit enough to kind of want want to attract them, but that the vast majority of people in the UK would say no, we want to stay a part of the EU, and they crap their pants when the result came in that that they wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a joke to begin with, and it was on false pretenses. But the other thing that wasn't recognised at the time is that the only reason, well, some people recognised it, but the, really the only reason that that vote went towards, uh, to, to, for a yes vote to, to leave the EU was because of immigration. Uh, that had been an issue, had been an ongoing issue, and still is obviously, uh, for several years previous to that. And they underestimated the amount of people that the immigration issue uh, had affected in the UK. They underestimated the amount of nationalistic sentiment that immigration into the UK had uh, produced. And not just ordinary immigration, because generally speaking, immigration isn't such a problem in any European country, hasn't been, and isn't in the UK. I mean, there's a lot of Indians, a lot of Pakistanis and all that kind of stuff in, in the UK. Without much problem, they've been there for a long time. The specific immigration that had created this situation where many people voted to leave the EU was the, like we've talked about this before, the terror attacks uh, that had happened, um, you know, more or less since 9-11, but you could start it in the UK at, really at... Uh, 2005. 7-7. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, in 2005, the London tube bombings. Um, and then since that, multiple other terror attacks uh, and throw into the middle of that the situation in Syria and the Middle East with ISIS. Uh, of course, the NATO bombing of Libya that caused a lot of the refugees to flow out of Africa uh, into Europe. Uh, the, the ISIS situation, which the West is complicit in, in, in Syria to overthrow the, the the Syrian government, and the so along with those terror attacks and the the bombings and the war in Syria that caused the immigration, then you had the flow of immigrants coming from those countries and the media telling the British people that as those terror attacks were happening at Ariana Grande concerts and stuff like that, mm-hmm. the British media was telling the people that ISIS members who carry out these terror attacks were amongst the refugees, yeah. were amongst the immigrants. Then they, asked, then they asked them, do you want to leave the EU? Because if you want, because if we leave the EU, we'll be able to stop immigration. Right. And the vast majority of people, it's kind of like punching the British people in the face repeatedly and then saying, if you leave the EU, the punches to the face will stop. Do you want to leave? That's what. That's pretty much what it amounts to. It's, 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 it's uh, maybe it sounds a bit simplistic, but that's pretty much what caused the Brexit uh, and, and what has also caused the rise of the right, right-wing, far-right nationalistic parties in Europe. It's entirely in, in the context of what has happened since 9-11 and the war on terror. And then t- you're talking about 17 years of propaganda that obviously led to the Brexit uh, referendum and the vote to leave the EU. So and f- nobody talks about that. So, and, and, but now that's gone. You know, that's, that, that, it's not been mentioned as the reason why the people, most of the people voted to leave the EU. Of course, you have nationalistic British sentiment anyway, and that was kind of like ramped up in this. It, it, they're latent in a lot of English people in particular. You know, rule Britannia and all that kind of stuff, right? A kind of jingoistic, colonialist, colonialist mindset. Uh, but you, and you added it to the kind of like terror attacks as, as I described. No problem. You're going to get, yes, let's say the, leave the EU when you present it in those terms. But now that's gone. It's not being talked about at all. 
and they're stuck with the problem of how do we actually leave the EU in the specific details. And it's, you know what I mean? English people didn't want to leave the EU for, for all of the reasons that they're having to deal with now, all of the problem, you know, all of the, they weren't prepared to, they didn't look at all of the issues like that we were describing, the way that, how, how, how the UK is so economically enmeshed in the EU. They didn't look at that and say, yeah, that's all bad. Let's leave the EU for those reasons. Mm -hmm. But those are the reasons they're dealing with now. Yeah, that's what's being discussed, but right. that wasn't being discussed at the no. time. Yeah, it was for totally other reasons, totally emotional, knee-jerk, unconscious. I mean, there's there's a famous thing of of the Google hits on uh, Google search results the day after Brexit. Yeah. Uh, what did it show? Well, a big spike in people in, from the UK googling. Uh, what will happen when we leave the EU and uh, what does Brexit mean and stuff like that. Now they're asking, yeah, yeah, afterwards. They were asking a single time, you know. I mean, so people are very fickle, you know, and you're just going, you ask them a very simple question. Do you want to leave the EU? Oh, yeah. After they've been programmed for a long period of time and then a campaign to, to, to whip them into a kind of nationalistic further, yeah, let, let's leave the EU because, well, because we're British and it just sounds like a good idea with me, good idea to me, you know. Yeah, I like England, yeah. You mean like we'd have, we could have tea parties and stuff and play croquet and, you know, watch Miss Marple or something or Midsummer Murders or something like that, you know. Uh, that's what we'll do and uh, we'll dance around the Maypole and we'll eat tea and crumpets and have cream teas at four o'clock every day and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, if, if that's what leaving the EU means, then yeah, that's what I want. I mean, that's pretty much the level that a lot of people voted. They were totally uninformed vote, like, so, you know. So who do you blame in that situation? What the fuck are these people doing having a referendum when they know... Right, well, that's the big question. Uh, you, you, you've already touched on it, but I wonder... It seems so risky that it was an internal Tory party political issue. Not even planned, and yeah. They've they they fubbed it. Yeah, and now an it's an absolute and, shit show. Right, <laughs> not just for Britain, but obviously for right. the EU too. Right, the people and their politicians are in this ridiculous mess because they're just idiots. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they're both they both feed off each other. You know what I mean? Can, the, can, the politicians are a bunch of arrogant tosspots who who you know are, are have no idea of uh, of what they're getting themselves into. You know, they're learning now along with the rest right. of us. Right. Um, going back to your point that the role of the war on terror and immigration played in priming people to, of course, vote um, when Brexit was presented by the Leave campaign, um, not exclusively in these terms, but, but largely, like, do you want to leave and then we'll have control of our borders? Mm. I mean, that was certainly Nigel Farage's stick right, the whole time. All. Given that that is the basic lo logic at work, if a referendum was put to the people of France tomorrow, would they vote to leave as well? No. Ah, why not? The geography, and there's a history of, of the UK, and like I mentioned, there's the, there's the, the, in the mindset of, of many British people, particularly English people, who make up a big majority of the UK residents, probably two-thirds of them. Um, yeah. Or more. Or more. They, um, you know, th there's, a, there's a history there of kind of jingoism and rural Britannia, um, they're also an island, so that shapes the psychology of the people. Um, and there's a yeah, and there's a, there's a nationalism there as well that that is much stronger. 
um, th than in other European countries. And I think the, I mean, the history and the, like I said, the geography, I mean, European countries, mainland or continental European countries, their history, their, their geographical psychology is formed by, you know, they all, they share borders, land borders. And there's a lot of over history through, throughout even recent history, modern history, there's been a lot of toing and froing and more, more understanding and more, more cosmopolitan, let's say, more pluralistic or more, I mean, not, that doesn't mean there's no nationalism, but it's not as strong as in the UK. You know what I mean? Okay, I mean, well, here's another you, one. I'll give, you go ahead. What if it was put to the people of Hungary tomorrow? Because <laughs> obviously they're being attacked by having such a nationalist government, which they voted in by sixty-eight percent right, recently. Right, but that's or that's Poland. But that's that's very uh, Poland and, and Hungary is very recent and a result of the immigration uh, okay. issue as well. Yeah, but and those are people who are directly affected by it. The Brits think they're having it hard. I mean, the people in uh, much closer to where the immigrants are, are coming in by boat or across uh, by land, mm. closer to the east, basically where they're coming from, they uh, are much more likely to. You know, I mean, you wouldn't have someone like Orban 10 years ago in Hungary. You wouldn't have the nationalism in Poland that, that you have today 10 years ago. It's a, it's a direct result of, 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 of immigration. Um, it's, immigration isn't good. Like, um, You know what's tragic about the whole thing? The EU Dream Project. And also smaller populations in those countries. Well, not Poland, but Hungary. The project was that it would be one block, trading block initially, and then one block of freedom, freedom of movement of people. And that I imagine that the quote-unquote waves of migration they envisioned, in fact, I know they envisioned them because I know that when they were, when it came time to considering um, the accession, the joining of the Eastern countries in the mid-90s and early 2000s, that they added some conditions in. They said, yes, you can join if you meet all these conditions, the usual set, plus some other ones. The day you join, your people don't get to move in just yet mm -hmm. because their concern at the time was that Poland in particular, Poland, the Polish-German border would see a flood of people leaving Poland looking for work. Which happened, yeah. And that happened anyway, but it happened with staggers put in place. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so they foresaw and they thought about these things, that people would move where the jobs were and stuff, but that was the idea, and mm -hmm. that Europe would integrate culturally and as part of its history, mm -hmm. it would be, it would recognize that it has shared religious roots, shared uh, architectural roots, yeah. shared economic roots, shared wars. Right. Of course, we've all died and, you know, right. led in the same battlefields and so on. And that's doable. And that was doable. But, but not, in the midst of that, not when they asked people to accept this rapid and in increasing pace of integration while all these people from Africa and right. The Middle East that and Central Asia were coming right. in at the same time, and they're like, "That's a bridge too well, far." Well, we can go as far as a European, but that's one that you're asking for too much all at once, right? Right. And and I think we've said in the past that uh, one of the reasons was maybe cheap labour. You know, that they like that Western bureaucracies and governments uh, don't mind a lot of immigrants coming in because it's a cheap source of labour, and that may be one consideration. But I think there's another consideration, and particularly in, look at Germany. And Germany's kind of like um, history of far-right nationalism and all that kind of stuff. One possible reason for them wanting, uh, because effectively you're creating a multicultural society, is to try and stamp out. Um, and this would be a level of fecklessness and ignorance and uh, ignorance of human, basic human psychology that would just blow my mind. 
is that they thought that by bringing in a lot of immigrants from you know darker skinned people of different religion and stuff that you would uh, stamp out the tendency in Germany towards nationalism towards right wing nationalism and in fact they get exactly and it would facilitate maybe the integration right. of the indigenous European right. peoples but yes. it's had the opposite effect right of course yeah so it's uh, it's amazing fecklessness on on the part of if, if that's the case and I don't I mean it's feckless anyway look what the, look what's happened you know I mean they're not they're not they haven't they're not running the country very well they're not pursuing very uh, very positive kind of kind of appropriate policies uh, that encourage uh, cohesion within the country I mean they're it's it's forcing kind of I don't know if it's forced Merkel out it's about time she went anyway but um, she's been there long enough I suppose. But uh, it's causing a mayhem in the in, in the political sphere and the social sphere in these countries, and these people are meant to be they're meant to be what maintaining law and order and peace and stability and security. They're doing exactly the opposite through some bizarre, idiotic belief that you know, almost like a some kind of bizarre idealism, you know, that's in no yeah. way grounded. In reality, and this reaction that they're pushing it even further, this reaction against nationalism. There's nothing wrong with nationalism. There's nothing wrong with uh, a, a, a country with a group of, with a with a population who all see themselves as primarily, you know, one like like one people with one set of cultures and one one set of one one morality, let's say, or one moral foundation, one 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 culture. Uh, there's nothing wrong with those people wanting to defend that. It's you know what I mean. It's um, people will accept you know some diversity and some you know exchange with other cultures and that kind of stuff. But there's nothing wrong with the people wanting to keep them keep to themselves and keep their their traditions and their culture intact. But that's demonized. Like why yeah. why would anybody demonize that? Because Hitler, it's nonsense. You know. I mean, if you have, I mean, it's like if you have a way of doing things in your own home with your own family. You have your own traditions. Is there something wrong with you wanting to maintain those if you've developed them or they've been passed on from previous generations and it's just you within your family and maybe your extended family and a few friends? You all get together at certain times of the year. You do certain things. You, know, you go to certain places or whatever. You have certain customs and traditions. Is there something wrong with that? Is there something fundamentally wrong with that? Because that's exactly the same thing. You expand it out to a nation. It's exactly the same thing. Yeah. But for some, uh, somehow it's wrong. It's evil. It's bad when it's it's the one thing that actually holds people together. At a microcosm, it holds families together and holds extended families and com smaller communities together, and it also holds nations together. And the truth and 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 the the truth of that is seen in the fact that when that's being uh, when that's being kind of torn apart by an influx of other cultures forced into the country, that that it creates chaos and mayhem. And that's what's happening. So there's your proof. What are you going to say? There's something wrong with people because they're reacting in that way to it? No. There's nothing wrong fundamentally with the way they're reacting. What's wrong is your policies of trying to uh, disperse or, or water down or, or change uh, traditions and cultures of, of, a, of, a, of a homogenous group of people. Yeah. Who might naturally change anyway over time. They might yeah. naturally integrate. Maybe slowly, this, whatever, on their terms. That's the tragedy of it. They've run it off the rails yeah. by inserting extremely ideologically radical elements into it and tried to hurry it up. You know, we have a 
Come on, we have a schedule yeah. here. You yeah. know, let's let's get ten more countries in, and uh, everyone has to follow these rules, pronto right. pronto, and the bureaucracy grows exponentially. And it's like you cannot force these things. I mean, Europe, Europe's default, default political and social climate for the last millennium has been tearing each other apart every fifty years, and maybe every hundred years, like seriously, mm. hundred. Yeah. Uh, 30 years war, that was, that was two it. major world world wars, which are European wars. I mean, it's pretty recent. We're due another one. Well, what happened previously? And they're trying to force that it doesn't happen. And in the process, they're going to make it happen. But they're not going to make the same thing happen again. What happened previously was that you had national armies fighting each other across borders and within their own countries. Um, today, what's happening is that they're creating a situation where you're going to have much, something much worse, which is social division and possibly up to and including social war war amongst the people you won't have armies fighting each other you'll have the people fighting each other and the army coming in to put them all in prison camps or something put some of them in prison mm. camps. i mean that's much worse you know it's one thing if it it's bad enough when you have a national army going to war against some other country it's much worse whenever it's the people within the within within the within the country itself Fighting each other and having to be having to be uh, put down by the by the standing army within the country. I mean, and obviously, of course, when you have soldiers of a of a country fighting against the people within that country, well, there that's also civil war because the guys in the uniforms are the brothers of the people in the streets. So, to conclude here, what now for the democratic expression of? British people. It, it should just go away. They'll they'll be they'll be making it go away. They basically won't ever give them what they ostensibly voted for. No, because they can't. And they should never have asked them. It was mismanagement and it was misrule. It was bad parenting from the beginning. Yeah. To ask your children to take a decision, and then, am I, would you do that if you were a parent? Ask your five or six year old kids. Um, so. What should we do? Should we uh, knock down that wall or or knock down that wall? Should we knock down some walls? Yes, Daddy, we should knock down two of those walls. Okay. Kids have spoken. Let's do it. You knock them down, storm comes, no, kid them, gets sick, and then down, it's like... Knock them down and your house falls down. <laughs> yeah. Even worse. Yeah, it's stupid. The whole thing's ridiculous, but they're going to have some kind of a... Um, they have some kind of a Brexit in, in name only, basically, and they'll fudge it and pass it off, and the people will be grumbling and stuff. It'll just, it'll just, it'll create more tension within. It'll, it'll encourage the already existing divide within the UK, basically. Yeah. Uh, it'll be there for a long time. And increase the distrust in the political class, right? Which the political class will be fervently trying to blame Russia for, right? Because of course it must always be have been right. done to us Russia and never our fault, right? Deflection will go up the wazoo. It's already right. pretty high, but it's about to skyrocket. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's why they have Russia there, yeah. The blame on everything that they've done. <sighs> anyway, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. Uh, it's been sufficiently depressing. Uh, if you like this video, subscribe, like, etc. We'll be back next week with another one. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good evening wherever you are. Bye. See you soon. Bye.